Welcome to Growing Through It, a reflective, fun, and supportive space for women in their 20s who want to build a life that's uniquely meaningful. Our goal is to give you the tools to create a life that feels good to you and you alone. After all, no one outside of yourself can define what an aligned life looks like. We're Ashley and Micaela, bestie duo and Wildflower Company co-founders. Join us as we share resources, thought-provoking conversation, and an overall good time, all while designing our dream lives alongside our friends. Follow along to grow through it together. So welcome back to Growing Through It. Today, we are joined by our friend Radha Dalal. Radha is a 30-something wellness coach for Headspace Health. She's a solutions-focused and intuitive coach who empowers you to clarify your intentions and align with your values. She's worked in hospital settings, mental health settings, and now the digital health space. Radha is also the founder of Pink Rose Wellness, where she integrates ancient healing modalities and modern day modalities with modern day high quality coaching techniques. She also hosts a podcast called Growing With God, where she has conscious conversations about self-love, self-care, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. So we are so, so excited that you've joined us today. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for your time. I'm just so excited for this conversation. So a few months ago, um, Rada actually hosted a workshop on our platform called How to Play and Love Yourself 5% More, all about uh, taking the time to slow down, look within, and reflect upon ways that we can work on self-healing. We learned how to use affirmation work and chakra work to dig deeper, reflect on our personal experiences, and ultimately reframe our mindsets, which... For us personally, it was super helpful. It was so nice to really actually sit down and have a moment to really think critically about how we speak to ourselves and about ourselves, learn a little bit more about how the mind works, how the brain works. Yeah, it was a really, really awesome workshop. I think about it a lot and I still sometimes will say affirmations to myself while I'm like washing my hands or I'm like, you know, looking at myself in the mirror during my morning routine. So lots of awesome stuff. Let's dive right into it. How have you shifted your mindset over the past five years and what kind of impact and transformation has that had on your life? That's such a good question. I think, you know, so many of us, 2020 was such a transformative time. Um, But I think even before that, for me, um, I never realized, maybe it was so obvious to other people, but I didn't realize how much negative self-talk I had. Like I could cheerlead everybody on, I could be everyone's best friend. And I have, you know, to this day, like, you know, knock on wood, I'm so blessed to have so many wonderful friends and so many cousins and so many family members and I can cheerlead them on. And even on the outside world, I think sometimes we wear masks and I would look so happy and I, and I was happy. A part of me was happy, but on the inside, I was telling myself, well, you're not as good as your brother or like, you're not as good as that person or like, you could have done better or like you got that because your parents did this for you or, you know, like Mm -hmm. you were lucky, right? Like just like not super negative, but just like enough to kind of like cut you, if that makes sense. And I was talking to someone on the phone one day and I, I used to work as a child life specialist in healthcare, which I love that job, but I just felt like my salary wasn't equating to the energy and work I was doing. As much as I loved my patients and families, I just felt like for whatever reason, I was associating my worth with my salary. And we're all worthy just because we breathe. 
But at that time, I just was like so negative about it. And they're like, so how many times a day do you think about wanting more of a salary? Hmm. And I didn't know until someone asked me this question. And I realized I think about it 400, 500 times a day. Mm-hmm. And yet I was doing nothing about it. I was thinking about it. I was doing nothing about it. And so it just blew my mind. And I started looking up self-talk. Mm. And I learned the statistic that you have 80,000 thoughts a day. And 80% are repeated. So even if you shift 5% of your language, it can mm. have amazing results. And I was just wow. mind blown, mind blown by that. And I was like, wow, I you know, and I thought I could just shift overnight, but mm-hmm. I just started with awareness and I was like, whoa, would I talk to my best friend this way? Would mm-hmm. I talk to my mm-hmm. little cousin yeah. this way? And so I think just not even the action, just recognizing that I even had a quote unquote problem, but I had mm-hmm. negative self-talk. That was like, I think a transitionary period for me. Mm-hmm. I so appreciate that perspective. And I feel like positive self-talk has, first of all, made me a happier, more joyful, more grateful person, but has also seriously impacted my self-esteem, which has then Mm -hmm. led me to take on greater opportunities, put myself out there, engage in healthier relationships, all of these things. Um, I had really bad uh, self-talk all growing up. And... um, when I was in high school, I got really committed to changing the narrative uh, mm-hmm. when I was halfway through high school. And I started intentionally every single day before I would shower, I would stand and look at myself in the mirror as like a 15-year-old girl, 16-year-old girl. And I would literally tell myself, even though I didn't believe it, I mm-hmm. like my belly. I like mm-hmm. my legs. I like my height, so on and so forth. And eventually I did believe it. And, you know, that positive self-talk was obviously about my personality and other aspects of myself as well. And I feel as though the impact of that positive self-talk just grew over the years and has served me so well Mm -hmm. over the years and has just been so meaningful. Absolutely. I also like, I always go back to, just kind of comparing how we talk about ourselves to how we speak to the people that we love. Like that really is so powerful. And my best friend and I talk about this a lot, just how, you know, we'll, we'll feel down on ourselves or we'll feel like a little negative. And then after we have like a 20 minute conversation with each other, we walk away feeling like a hundred times better. And it's because like, there's so much love and like understanding between each other that we like allow, you know, we give each other, but like, we don't always treat ourselves that way. And I would never like say anything badly or poorly about my, my best friend. Like, I just love her so much. She's like my second half. And I like, couldn't imagine like saying anything negative to her to like make her feel negatively about herself. And so why can't I do that for myself? You know, like showing up every day for yourself in a positive way. And that's not to say that like, you can't have like negative thoughts once in a while, like life course, is life yeah. and you're human, mm-hmm, right? But yeah. reminding yourself and taking that time to be like, hey, be kind to yourself, give yourself some grace. Like mm-hmm. your body does so much for you. Your mind does so much for you. Like you get to wake up every morning and like live this life that, you know, 
not everybody is so fortunate to have, you know, like you get to have a body that functions for you in all these ways that are so helpful and not everybody gets to have that. So just kind of like reminding myself that, hey, be gentle mm-hmm. with yourself is, is mm-hmm. so helpful. I love what both of you were saying. And, you know, especially like in your own languaging, you were like, you get to wake up, right? Not I have to wake up. You get to mm-hmm. wake up. Your body functions, right? Like some people have health conditions. Some people's leg doesn't work. Like there's so many things working mm-hmm. for us, but the way our mind works, it likes to focus on the things that aren't working. That's just how we're Absolutely. built. And even comparison, like if you look at cultures, if you look you know, back to like times of hunter gatherers, we relied on each other and what other people thought of us for our food, for yeah. our safety. And so it's a survival mechanism. And so how can we step out of that? Like it's human. It's part of us. It's okay. I have bad days too. Everyone has bad days. You're allowed to have your bad days. And you can have bad days, but you don't need to have a bad life. You can have bad mm-hmm. days, but you don't have to have a bad week, right? So things yeah. like that I love when you bring to the forefront because I used to think I had to have the, I could say affirmations all the time and I had to have the Mm -hmm. best thought every time. And like, if someone said something, I couldn't judge them. I unfortunately do judge people, but my second, third or fourth thought, I can shift and I can integrate compassion. So I love that you brought both of that, both of those things to the forefront. But I really do think that perspective matters a lot. And this was really demonstrated to Mika and I during our crowdfunding campaign because we created a list of 600 people in our life that we knew. And we reached out to all 600 of those people and 200 people funded us and supported us meaningfully. And Mika and I were like, oh my God. God, like, can Mm -hmm. you even believe it that 200 people supported us and are cheering us on? Meanwhile, 400 people didn't even respond to us. Um, And so we really chose to view that as such a celebratory thing. And every day we were texting each other in celebration, really Mm -hmm. uh, practicing gratitude it could have been very easy for the two of us to be humiliated, to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such a like stark example of perspective. And I guess my question for you, Rada, is like, how do you um, like what are some kind of like easy ways to switch your mm-hmm. mindset or just like create and integrate a more um like joyful, grateful perspective. Like I loved how you how you said before, like the, I get to wake up every day. You know, are there other things mm-hmm. like that that you tell yourself perhaps or that other people can integrate? Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a great question. And I think it starts with, do you want to have a positive mindset? Do you want to have, yeah. like, what do you want? And then mm-hmm. why? I think it starts with that because, we all know the tips and we all know the things, but it's your drive, right? Wow. And so if a person really wants it, they will they already know the answer, okay? Um, <laughs> it's just, can they pull it out of them, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a Hindu, but I consider myself spiritual, but I'm sure there might be this in many religions, but we believe there's, a, there's an ancient text called the Ramayana, which is comparable to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And... There is this god called Hanuman, and Hanuman is placed in this situation. So 
there is a problem with the queen Sita, but Hanuman arrives before the, so the solution arrives before even the problem is created. And that is how the universe works. The universe will only give you what you can handle. And so with that being said, if you want something, you can have it. It's, are you willing to work for it? Are you willing to receive it? Are you willing to allow it? Are you willing to create it? Are you willing to co-create it? Those are the questions. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the tips, yes, absolutely. It's all the things you're already doing that you're saying to your best friend, that you're saying to your partner, that you're saying to your puppy, that you're saying to the Mm -hmm. cute little baby next door. Do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. And like, I love, I personally love affirmation. So it's like, whatever you want, like, I think my favorite affirmations, I am worthy. I can never hear mm-hmm. that enough. I am so worthy. I am so deserving. And I, unfortunately, I'm addicted to my phone. So I have wallpapers. I have reminders. I set everything up and I tell myself every day because I got to, I tell myself, I'm going to use social media. Social media is not going to use me. And so I just go through and I just tell myself every day. And similar to you, in the beginning, I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I did. I also love what you said. I, I literally wrote it down. The universe can only give you what you can handle or like will only give you what you can handle. I think that's so beautifully said. Like it's you know easier said than done to be like, oh, you can do anything, right? But like that's such a beautiful perspective to have of like, okay, well, if the universe has presented this obstacle, right? If, if, if it's here then I can, I can do it. I can handle it. Like it might be difficult. It Mm -hmm. might take time, but like acknowledging that this is something that like you can do and you can get through, you can, you can work through, you can handle is so important. Like, you know, it's so easy to look at things and be like, God, that's so hard. Or I don't know if we should do that. Or, you know, just kind of look at the negatives or all the obstacles as kind of a blockers. Right. But acknowledging that like there is an end and you can get to that other side of the obstacle and the other side of the blockers you actually are equipped with those tools and if you aren't like you can learn the tools too I love how we can like hold both like yes it is and can be so hard and Mm -hmm. also and also is one of my favorite phrases ever Mm -hmm. and also we are so brave and capable and resilient You know, Mm -hmm. like I love framing things with and also instead Mm -hmm. of a but. Um, I wanted to share. Actually, let me say one last thing. Um, Radha, I love how you said that we kind of already have the skill set that it takes to be kind to ourselves and to practice gentleness and compassion because that's how we treat our puppy. That's how we treat our best friend. And so I love that like it actually doesn't have to be this big challenging thing. We actually already have the skill set to treat ourselves with compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about the most powerful mindset shift that I have had a few years ago, probably when I was like a sophomore in college or so. My dad told me that not everything could be fun and games and um, he said this in con- it, like in response to me and my friend Michael just having absolute nonsensical fun and games at all points of college. And 
college was totally tumultuous and highly emotional and, you know, at times traumatizing. And there were definitely really difficult parts. But even with all of, you know, the challenging aspects that were going on, Mike and I really committed to having fun and games and just like really being lighthearted and silly. And when my dad said that not everything could be fun and games, Mike and I really challenged him on that and decided to really devote our lives to having fun and games. And so um, for the past like several years, it's become a thing amongst my friends where like we're always like, oh, we're just having fun and games. And like everything <laughs> is lighthearted. Everything is fun. And to give you a really clear example, like um, when I was probably a junior or senior in college, Mike and I were out and we went to a DSW and, to get Mike's shoes and there was a really angry woman who parked next to us and she thought that Mike had like opened his car door on her passenger but he actually hadn't this that wasn't the reality of the situation but she was so mad she let it out on him and was just really angry at him we go into this DSW we come out and Mike's car is keyed and that obviously could have been like a stressful situation and it definitely was, but also Mike and I were like, oh my God, fun and games with our bestie. Like we're just keeping things <laughs> like chaotic. You know, there's an air of mystery. Like you never know what's going to happen. Mike's obviously We're upset, but also we were kind of like still giggling together because we were like, like, this is so wild, you know? And I feel like there's like a similar, like, um, like, attitude of like this is going to be such a ridiculous story one day you know that I feel like it'd be like a similar mindset but anyway I share that story to say I think that my life has been so I was a very intense person in high school and in early college and I was serious and adopting this fun and games mentality has made mm -hmm. me so much more easygoing and so much more uh, open-minded to the ways that things might transpire. And if I can label it as fun and games, games and fun, then like I can just feel lighter about the situation. And also it's fun to have like all my friends in on it, pushing back on my dad <laughs> who like, you know, is, is silly and stubborn with it, but uh, ultimately good natured about the whole thing. So anyway, I just want to share that because that was a really meaningful mindset shift to me, but would love to hear if you guys have had any like similar mindset shifts. I know Rada, you shared a little bit earlier, but I definitely wanted to share that this episode. That was a good mindset shift. I, I don't even remember when the first time you said that to me, but like, I think about it all the time and I say it all the time and I really genuinely believe it. I think like a, a mindset shift for me, um, was back in high school and like junior year of high school. This is like, you know, a time where your grades are super important. You're thinking about college, you're mm. studying for the SATs, like, you know, school and friends and crushes are arguably mm. the most important things in your life at this point in time <laughs> for like many teenagers. Um, and I, uh, I got like a, I, I, get, I don't even remember how like school was split up. I, like, I have no concept of how school is split up other than semesters now. So we'll call it like a mid-semester check-in, right? Like we're like in the spring, it's maybe like early April, late March, and it's kind of like mid, you know, semester grades are kind of coming out. So you can kind of see like a progress report of where you're at. And I got my grades back and 
most of them were just like, all right, like, you know, you're statistically, I mean, I don't know, math, like you're only looking at like one or two test scores, but my math scores were like a C, maybe a C minus, which one for me is one of the lowest grades I've ever gotten in any math Mm -hmm. class in my life. I love, love, love math. I'm such a math girl. Mm -hmm. And so that was devastating for that one reason. And two, this was arguably one of the most important grades Mm. of my high school or career, right? Like this is, these are the grades that are going to get me into my top colleges. So for me, it kind of felt like, oh my God, my grades are not great. My world is kind of crumbling down. Um, And my parents didn't help with that either. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I remember like being so like nervous and like, stressed out about like going home, bringing these grades home. Like I already knew like what my parents were going to say. They were going to be so upset, so disappointed, whatever, whatever. And I was talking to one of my best friends from high school, Sarah, and she, I was like pretty much in tears. And she Mm -hmm. was like, Hey, like, I know that this means a lot. And I know this is really tough for you. Um, and I don't mean to like, you know, make this seem any less real for you but i also like want to provide some perspective right like this is really big and important for you today and it might be really big and important for you two weeks from now and maybe it'll still be kind of important two months from now but like if you actually think about it in the grand scheme of things right like a year from now you'll already be into college two years from now you'll be Mm -hmm. in college five years from now you're not even going to be thinking about what grade you got in any class because <laughs> you will have graduated college and like none of this will have mattered you would have done all the things that you wanted to do mm-hmm. so like while this is really big and weighing on you now like this will pass like in the grand scheme of things this is temporary and that was like so mind-blowing to me and I've taken that with me and like run with it for the rest of my life like it's I was like you're absolutely right and obviously like that didn't change the fact that I was disappointed in the grade but like mm-hmm. objectively speaking a few months from then I, I was gonna be it was gonna be summer vacation I wasn't gonna be caring about grades like I was gonna be you know worrying about other things and then like you know in the grand scheme of things like I'm a college graduate I work a full-time job like my junior year second semester math grade is so irrelevant and unimportant to me in my life at the moment you know Mm -hmm. so just kind of like having that perspective of things are temporary and like even though you're feeling pain and you're feeling sadness and like stress or negative emotions like you'll get through this and it'll be okay. And you'll look back at this and maybe laugh and you'll look back at this or maybe you'll be like, that was stressful, but like I got through it. And Mm -hmm. that to me was just like such an incredible like tidbit of knowledge to get as a junior in high school from like a fellow 17, 16 year old. (laughs) That was crazy. (laughs) I love that. I love that. One more that I wanted to share was One of my favorite mantras ever is rejection is redirection. And I believe this so wholeheartedly. When I was in high school, I toured Northeastern University and I fell in love with it. And I wanted to go there so badly. And my parents were like, absolutely not. It is so expensive. It is an absolute no-go. So anyway, I 
got accepted into a few other colleges, but UMass was really the only choice that it felt like I had given my parents and how they were kind of responding. And um, I really felt like against all of my wishes, I was being forced to go to UMass and I was really upset about it. And it's so funny because today I look at that and I think, wow, it was kind of unbelievable that all of these things happened and I felt like I had no other option but to go to UMass because all of that other rejection brought me to the perfect place for me. UMass Amherst taught me how to loosen up. It taught me how to relax. And most importantly, as a 26-year-old, I don't have college debt, which not a lot of 26-year-olds can say. (laughs) And I have been able to make riskier career decisions, such as running my own business right out of college, because of the financial position that I was in. And so I really, really do believe that rejection is redirection and ultimately you're heading in the direction that you're supposed to. It's so funny. Like what is like so important and detrimental to you is like a 17 year old versus like adult problems. (laughs) So true. Mm -hmm. You couldn't pay money to be a teenager again. No, thank you. No, 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 thank you. If you know, you know, Mika and I are huge skincare girlies, which is why we are so excited to be partnering with Kaylin Beauty, an ethical, non-toxic, zero-waste makeup and self-care company. Kaylin Beauty has the best face masks. They leave your face feeling so smooth and so refreshed. They also have luminizers, lip tints, and other confidence-boosting products. And in addition to having the best skincare products ever, it's woman-owned. Too good. Kaylin Beauty is giving our community 10% off your entire order with the code WILDFLOWER10. So join us in heading to www.kaylinbeauty right now and stocking up on all your favorite skincare. For our next question, we're really curious about how you have incorporated creativity into your adult life and kind of what lessons you've learned about your own creativity. Oh, that's such a good question. I used to think that I'm like not super creative because I think my definition of what's creative was like art or painting or like, you know, like sewing something, like something very tangible. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely, I love to do it. That's not my strength, (laughs) but I love to do it. I enjoy it a lot. Um, But I realized there are so many other ways to be creative. And I think the work that I've done, I mean, I've worked with children for 10 plus years and children themselves are just like blobs of joy in my opinion. It's just so creative and they come up with all of these random things. So I think it's like just having conversations, but bringing that sprinkle of imagination into it. Like Mm -hmm. I consider that creativity Um, when I'm on a walk and just like noticing like the colors of the leaves, like, not so much when I was in California, now that I'm in Texas, <laughs> noticing the colors change a little bit and just like, just like nature itself is so creative. Like how is everything just so perfect? And even like I, yeah. you know, I learned yoga and like even the anatomy of the body, it's like everything has been thought of. And it's just mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it like, it's like a, I'd like, as I entered, like, uh, before I, I was such an angry person, but as I entered my 30s, I'm like, oh my God, like so much is working for us. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I just think that itself is creativity. Absolutely. And like kind of echoing what you said earlier, Rada, just kind of like how you envision creativity looking one way, but creativity looks so different for mm-hmm. everyone. Like for me, like I'm not a writer at all. I don't enjoy writing, but like I have friends who love writing, who love mm-hmm. expressing themselves, journaling, poetry, like who who are in the midst of writing books, right? For mm-hmm. me, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> like I hated writing essays, but I thrived in drama class and in dance and, and in art. And mm-hmm. I I love having like, you know, a visually, I'm just a visual learner and I, I love like having a visual aspect to my creativity. And like, there's so many ways that you can be creative and get creative. And there's so many ways mm-hmm. that you can incorporate creativity into your life. Like, like you guys both said, nature is stunning. It's beautiful. There's, there's so much complexity and beauty in, in just like everything everywhere. Even just like, you know, you can get creative even if in just kind of like the walks that you take every day. Like if mm-hmm. you take the same walk every day, go a different route, go the opposite way, get a little crazy. Like who's to say, grab a nice <laughs> coffee along the way, <laughs> right? Like just like so incorporating true. something different, you know, into your, into your routine. Yeah. And it's like that intention because it's also like mm. something I love is like sunbathing and mm-hmm. we're just so fortunate to have the sun, especially yeah, like for Texas, we don't necessarily always have a winter here. <laughs> and so I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, like just looking out the window and feeling the sun on my face like that. Like it doesn't have to be this huge, big yeah. art project under the moonlight with flowers and like <laughs> five cameras, right? Like it can literally be two seconds. Mm. And with that pure intention, you feel that sunlight and you're just like, oh my God, it's magic. So one of the things that stood out to me the most from the workshop that you did was really your perspective on play. So Mm -hmm. I really want to ask you, like, what does play mean to you? Why is play important? And how does play show up in your adult life? So I think just like play just was so powerful, but also it was a part of me that I loved and enjoyed. Oh. But I also felt like ashamed of it because I felt like mm-hmm. I wasn't as academic as my brother. My brother, like, he's a scholar, <laughs> yeah. right? Whereas for me, my strains are very different. And I had to really mm-hmm. reframe my mindset to be like, oh man, mm-hmm. like, the way he studied, like, I have to work hard to get my grades. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying he doesn't work hard because he definitely does. But, like, for him, he could just go to class and, like, he would remember everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, no matter how hard I tried, like, I just couldn't get to that level. I could get there, but not necessarily that level or as quickly. And so I was like, oh, it's because I play too much. It's because like, Mm -hmm. oh, like I'm not as academic. Like I just, like it was like a shame part of me as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think it's balanced, right? I think you can definitely play too much and you can definitely work too much. And so as I grew up, you know, being Indian or like being in our culture, like you're taught Mm -hmm. that there's only certain career avenues. And even as a young kid, I didn't know like, mm-hmm. what can you be a doctor, an astronaut, an engineer? Like, what are like what are the options, right? A nurse. Mm-hmm. And so I thought maybe I would be a physical therapist or a nurse. And like, honestly, math and science are not my thing <laughs> at all, um, at least the grad school level. And uh-huh. 
then I learned about sociology and I learned about human development and I started taking those courses and I was getting like the highest grade in the class and I was able to retain the information and be able to have behaviors because I was like, my whole life, I've always had a lot of relationships and not romantic relationships, but like friendships and like different types of relations that were very healthy and positive because I understood behaviors. I understood people. Mm -hmm. I could read a room. I could see the body language. You could be 80 or you could be eight. I could talk to you about anything. And so from there, I learned about sociology and then I learned about the field of child life, which I did for 10 years. (laughs) And so for those of you that don't don't know, child life um, specialists are um, specialists in medical professionals mental health professionals who support children affected by chronic illness. So honestly, doctors and physicians and nurses, they respected our career so much and utilized it so much because it is that holistic care. Like I worked in the oncology department and my, my, we were all women and like the chief of oncology, the doctors and nurses, the MAs, everyone, they were all women and they valued not only because they're women, but they valued play Mm. so much in my presence. And I saw the difference. I saw like how much play worked in children's life and especially kids who are ill. Mm -hmm. And we would have to do these things like in my internship and in my classes, we'd go to like the PICU. The PICU is the intensive Mm -hmm. care unit for pediatric kiddos. And Sometimes the kids can't move, right? Because they're like, depending on the situation. But like pre-COVID, you could bring in a sibling or you could like play for the kid. But Mm -hmm. literally having that kid watching someone else play Mm -hmm. was so therapeutic and helped their treatment process. And that was our goal was to improve compliance. What adult wants to take medicine, let alone a kid with Mm -hmm. shots and needles and all sorts of stuff. So by integrating play, we were able to build compliance, which ultimately build their care, which ultimately allowed them to leave the hospital, right? So there's so so much you can do depending on which department that you're in. But I primarily served oncology kiddos and I learned so much about them, about their siblings, Mm. about their Mm -hmm. parents, the resiliency and how play was vital to their life. Were they just going to lay in bed for the rest for the rest of their life? Mm-hmm. Or were they going to play and go events? And were they going to throw them birthday parties or Christmas parades or Halloween or invite Superman? Like what, what, it, like, what is the quality of life at that point? And so I saw how valuable play was at the end of life. Mm-hmm. And I realized that is important in all of our lives, not just the yeah. beginning, not just the end, but all of it. I love that. And that is so powerful. Um, I, to add on to that, I, I was recently reading up on the study that was mm-hmm. done on, I believe people were between the ages of like 65 and 75 and they all had different types of like physical, um, like, like chronic pains. Mm-hmm. And they had a couple different test groups. There was a, a, let's call it A and B. And test group A was to just live life as they normally would for a few weeks or a couple of months. And test group B was asked to live life as if they were like young again, as if they were in their 20s again, as if they were teenagers Mm. again. And they went so far as to like surround them with 
Like they took mirrors off the walls. They surrounded them with pictures of themselves when they were younger and they were doing, you know, activities that they would have done back when they were younger and all this stuff. And Mm. they noticed a a significant physical improvement in the way that these people walked, the way that they reported on their pain, just like within a handful of weeks. Mm. And so it's so critical to not like box yourself into this like okay well I'm an adult now so I'm not allowed to do fun stuff anymore or I'm a parent Mm -hmm. now so I'm Mm -hmm. not allowed to play I have to be responsible Mm -hmm. everything is about balance right like you can be a responsible you can be serious you can be an adult and like get what you need to get done but you can also have fun kind of back to fun and games right like Mm-hmm. like what is life without fun right what is life without fun and games like it's mundane it's it's lackluster it's so much less colorful and like your body knows that like your your brain mm-hmm. and your body feel mm-hmm. that and it it's apparent and I thought that, that study was super cool and it's really interesting too that that um also worked really similarly in tandem with your story just about like children who um, we're going through um, illnesses as well. I think that both of that, hearing both of those was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And Rada, something that you said earlier um, made me realize that I felt a lot of shame about play. And basically, I when I was a child... I had three younger siblings. I was the oldest. And when I was in middle school, I wanted my parents to treat me like a middle schooler and not like a kid, like all my mm-hmm. other siblings. Yeah. And so I couldn't get them to respect me in the way that I felt I, I should be respected. And my rules were not different than theirs, despite being older. And so when I was in eighth grade, I decided that the only way that I could get them to respect me is if I completely stopped playing. And so when I was in eighth grade, I completely stopped playing with my siblings. I didn't play Legos. I didn't play dolls. I didn't play anything. I played for a long time because I loved it so much, but I decided very intentionally, I need to stop playing so that way I can get this respect and I can do things that my friends are doing as like middle school kids. And it was kind of devastating because all my siblings eventually – basically stopped playing too because they didn't know how to play without me because I was rallying everything. And so it was very heartbreaking in a lot of ways, but I realized that like I ended play on such a like shameful note. And also with a lesson, like this is what adults do. Adults do not play. They work. They don't have fun in games. And so I'm realizing that like part of the whole fun and games mentality has actually been like me reclaiming Mm -hmm. like my fun and yeah that was just like such a powerful realization like I've really I didn't I had never connected like what that had like meant to me to Mm -hmm. give up play in such a like serious intentional way and I think like so many of us have shameful experiences with play and I remember being embarrassed in sixth and seventh grade that I was still playing you know because shouldn't I be too old for this but I loved the play that I did. It was creative. It was fun. It was stimulating, you know? So that was just like so moving for me to hear. Yeah. And like to connect that. So thank you. I also remember like being in, 
I don't know, maybe like freshman year of like high school and being and like wanting so badly to go trick or treating, but knowing that like we can't do that anymore because the parents in the neighborhood are going to be like, why are you here? (laughs) Just like, oh, just the worry of feeling judged by other people for just trying to have a good time. Like, excuse me for dressing up and trying to get some candy. Like, (laughs) newsflash, I'm still 14 years old. I do want to ask you one final question, and thank you so much for being here. The final question is, what are you grateful for? This last year has been very, I've been very in my feels and very emotional this past year. Um, I'm getting married this year. I'm 35. Um, I'm getting married um, in September. And so just so like, even though I live, my parents live in California and I live in Texas now. And even though I've been living here for a bit, it's like hitting me like, I don't live with my parents. My parents are getting older. And I got to, you know, my dad had a heart surgery last year. He's good. All of the things. He's fine. But we got to go to India for two weeks, Mm. just me and my parents. Um, And it was like the best quality time I could have Mm. ever got. And I was like to see them in their element in the neighborhood they grew up in. Like my dad was from the hood. (laughs) (laughs) And like just to go and he's like, just seeing the streets that my grandparents mm. used to walk, go to the same temples. People would call me baby. Wow. They remembered me from like nine years ago since I was there last. So just so grateful to have parents who love me. You know, I never appreciate that as a kid or as a teenager, but I do in my 30s now. I thought I wanted my parents to be someone else. I wanted mm-hmm. some, I wanted some fantasy family TV. <laughs> I don't know, like I didn't even know what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like. I literally think I have the best parents in the world mm-hmm. and to have that feeling and that support, like, and they're, mm-hmm. they're healthy, they're alive. I get to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I am just so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for my partner because like I said, I had a lot of negative self-talk and like, mm-hmm. I never thought I could do a lot of the things, but when I started dating him and now that I'm engaged to him, like, I launched my podcast. I launched my business. I started Headspace. Like so many things came because I did believe in myself, but there was like a little, you know, when you see someone reflect back how much they believe in you, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was like a game changer for me. So I'm just, Mm -hmm. just so grateful for the relationships in my life. I feel really grateful for the flexibility that I have in my life these days. I work a remote job. And I also actually work a four day work week at that full-time job, which is mm-hmm. really crazy and really awesome. Um, and that level of flexibility really allows me to uh, do so much. Like I get to work on building a company and I get mm-hmm. to hang out with my friends and travel to spend birthdays with my friends and like visit family. Um, and actually before uh this job i was in a couple of remote jobs like prior to this i've been in remote jobs since the pandemic began and i i feel like so grateful to be in this position where i do get to work remotely because my partner and i actually were doing long distance for like three Mm -hmm. three and a half years and um we had also both been kind of like moving around and into different like states and cities and so working remotely was such like a blessing honestly like mm-hmm, it made mm-hmm. 
like long distance a hundred times easier. And that's not to say that it wasn't like work and it didn't require effort, but like it made it so much easier to know that like at any point in time I could like go see him and spend a few weeks there and I could still do my job. I didn't have to take, you know, PTO. I didn't Mm -hmm. have to call in sick or anything. Like I could spend an extended amount of time with him or my friends and my family. And I get to do that. And I just feel very, very grateful for that level of, of like flexibility. It's really a privilege to, to like mm-hmm. have a job mm-hmm. like this. Love it. I feel so grateful for how present I felt during this conversation. Rada, I feel so grateful that you are so generous with your time and gave us your perspective during this conversation. It was so fun to have you here. And I also feel really grateful for Mika's partnership. She's really such a good friend, but also just like the best co-founder ever. And I'm always so grateful for how she shows up and just like really compliments my skill set so nicely. And like reflecting on the day, Mika and I just like got a lot done from like 4.35 p.m. to now. And I just feel really grateful for like all of the effort that we both put in and how like good Mika is at what she does. And it's just so fun to do it with her. And then I also had like um, my like 90 day review at work today because I started a new job recently and it went really well. And I feel really grateful to be in a place where like, I actually feel so excited to build a future where I am. That's not really been um, something that I've had uh, to this capacity before. And I just feel like so happy to be at a place where I'm like excited to really build a career in like a meaningful way. And also Mm -hmm. with that, I'm grateful to be on my like, like not my first job out of college. The fact that I'm like, I'm in a groove you know, and like I've gotten in a groove professionally, like that's a really cool thing. So there's a lot to be grateful for. Um, Rada, before we wrap up, where can people find you? How can they stay connected? Um, All the ways, but honestly, Instagram is my favorite platform. So Radiance with Rads, you can DM Mm -hmm. me. My love language is voice notes. If you just want to say (laughs) hi, I make affirmations for people. Um, hit me up. I just love connecting with folks. Yay. Thank love you. Love that. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this was so much fun. Uh, thank you listeners for listening, tuning in. Um, if you are interested in following us as well on socials, we are at the Wild Flow Co on all social platforms. If you're interested in watching the replay of Rada's workshop, you can actually purchase the replay on our website. We can link it in the description. And and also, if you're interested in purchasing a planner, we'd love to give you 20% off using code WILDFLOWER20. What? Crazy! So many things. Thank you so, so much for listening. Rada, once again, thank you so, so much for being here. This was really awesome. This was such a pleasure. So thank special. you for taking the time. Thank you.